Good morning, Lakeview Church. It's good to be with you. I just want to welcome you all here. I want to just look right in that camera, welcome all of you who are joining with us online, whether you're joining with us live in this moment or on demand sometime later. We're so glad that you're here. And I just think everybody here in the room wants to say hello to those who are joining us online. So can we welcome them today? Can I share some good news with you? It wouldn't really matter what you said right there. I was going to do it anyway. But uh, last week, uh, for those of you who've been around here, you know that we've been uh, walking through the Go Initiative, the public phase of that. And we went through a series of messages in September and October. And and you guys responded in such a powerful way. And last Sunday, we had our very first offering that went towards that. And I know that so many of you were planning and preparing for that day. And uh, last week, we collected that offering. And on Tuesday morning is our time when we count the offering. And I've, I've just never seen Jerry Hoover that excited. I mean... It's not that Jerry's never excited, but I've never seen him that excited. And uh, so he came and told me what the offering was, $63,000 last Sunday. Yeah, that's worth praising the Lord and celebrating that. I feel like we have stepped up to the starting line as a church, and we've gotten off to a good start. And over these next couple of years, as we invest in those things that God has called us to invest in, I just believe God's going to honor that faithfulness, and he's going to do a powerful thing among us. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Now, this morning, we're going to be digging into our second message in our uh, series that we're calling I Thank God. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a message that I'm calling I Thank God for His Salvation. We're actually going to be in the psalm that Christian read for us a little bit earlier, Psalm 103. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there. We're going to study the first five verses of Psalm 103. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. Everything that I'm going to read is going to be on the screen this morning. And if you don't have a Bible and you'd like to have one, we would love to put one in your hands. So you can come see me right after the service and I'll give you a Bible or you can visit our Welcome Center right in the lobby and we'll provide one for you. And if you are joining with us online and you need a copy of the Bible, we would love to put one in your hands. So just reach out to the church this week and we will get you a Bible. So again, we're in Psalm 103. I'm going to read these verses for us again, and then we're going to unpack them together. Psalm 103, this is what it says. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and he crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, we're in this series because I believe we're at a a time in our lives. I think this has been true of every generation, but but I think it's true for us today. And I want to call us as a church to enter in more and more to the presence of God. I think that that is what we need in our lives, individually and collectively as a church, that we would be a people marked by the presence of God in our lives. And in order for us to enter into the presence of God, we have to learn how to thank him and how to praise him. 
Because I believe the scriptures teach us that thanksgiving and praise, as we studied last week in Psalm 100, is the doorway into the presence of God. And so if we want to make ourselves present to the one who is always present with us, if we want to experience more of who he is, we have to learn how to enter into his presence with thanksgiving and praise. And when we do, we will find ourselves in the presence of God individually and collectively, and I believe believe that that's going to change our lives. And I believe that that's going to impact our world. And so I'm really just inviting us in this series to lean into this idea of thanksgiving and praise. And we studied it last week. We talked about we can't wait for the conditions to be right. We can't wait for all the circumstances in life to just make it easy for us to praise. We have to know how to praise God even when times are tough. And this morning, I want to kind of continue on that theme by encouraging us with Psalm 103. This is an interesting psalm because in in this psalm, the, the psalmist is leading God's people in worship. So this is a psalm that would have been read in a worship service just like we read it this morning. But when you really dig into Psalm 103, what you discover is that the psalmist is leading God's people by talking to himself. Now, I know none of you talk to yourself, but I talk to myself all the time. In fact, there are times when people will walk into my office and I realize how silly I look because I'm just having a conversation with myself. I I find the conversations to be very stimulating. (laughs) The psalmist is talking to himself. He's talking to his soul. We were actually singing a song this morning that, that really is built off of this psalm. Come on, my soul. Don't get shy on me. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. That's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise the Lord. Let everything that is in me praise his name. He's not talking to anyone else. He's talking to himself. And I want to just encourage us this morning that that there are times and seasons in our life where we do not feel like praising God. The situations around us, the circumstances, the conditions are hard and difficult and challenging. There's negativity. There's all kinds of things that want to push us down. But we need to be the kind of people who in that kind of environment will say, bless the Lord, O my soul that we'll talk to ourselves and call ourselves to praise and worship. That's what the psalmist is doing in this passage of scripture. He's saying, come on, let's praise the Lord because he's worthy of it. Now, one of the things that I do almost every day as I'm reading the scriptures is I try to find a verse or two that really speak to me and then I try to summarize them in a single sentence something that I can kind of carry with me through the day. And, and when I read Psalms, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, if I were to summarize those in a single sentence, it would be this. Praise God with all you've got because God changed your life. Praise God with all you've got because God changed your life. 
This is really the big idea that I want to talk to you about today. And really, in this big idea, there are really three points that I want to share with you this morning that I hope will help you enter into this life of praise that will help you experience more of the presence of God. And we'll kind of unpack this big idea one phrase at a time. We'll begin with the first couple of words, praise God. The psalmist says, praise the Lord in the New Living Translation. That's the way it's translated. But other translations in the same verse say, bless the Lord. And whether you're talking about praise or bless, whatever translation you have, this Hebrew word translated praise in this passage or bless in this passage is really a word which means to kneel down before the one who blesses your life. That's the picture. It's this picture of recognizing that all of the good things you have in life come from a single source. All of the blessings that have been bestowed on your life come from God. And, and what the psalmist is saying, kneel down and give honor to the one who blesses you with all of these good things. This is what you and I are called to do. And we talked about it last week, but I want to just reiterate it again. Listen, not every circumstance in life is going to make it easy for you to kneel down and honor God. Sometimes you're going to feel too tired. Or you're going to feel like the challenges before you are too difficult. You're going to watch the news, which you just got to be careful when you do that. I mean... You might not need to watch the news. That might help your praise go a little farther if you're not paying attention to all that stuff. But we, we buy in to all of the messaging of the world, which isn't saying to us, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, give honor to the one who blesses you. That's not what the world is saying to you. The world has all other kinds of messages for you, but you and I in our lives need to pull away from all of that, regardless of what's going on around us, and we need to get on our knees and we need to honor the one who blesses our lives with every good and perfect gift, as the book of James says. You and I are called to praise God, to literally kneel down and honor the one who blesses us with every good gift. He is the source of the blessings in our lives. So we praise God, but the second phrase says, with all you've got. This is not just praise, it's wholehearted praise. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With everything that is within me, I will bless his holy name. This is praise with all you've got. Oh, I played a lot of sports growing up, and I know you can tell by the way I look, my physique, it just says athlete, I know, I know. I played a lot of sports, and I, I was fortunate to play on a lot of really good teams. I had several years growing up of playing on baseball teams that had undefeated seasons, had opportunities to win championships with my soccer team in high school, had opportunities to play in lots of tournaments when I played high school basketball, and, and we, I just was fortunate. I got to play on a lot of really good teams. Now, that's not to say that we won every game all the time. 
In fact, there were lots of games that we lost. Some of the games we should have won. And if you're an athlete, you know what that's like. You think, we should have beat that team. They're not that good. What is wrong with us? And you think you should have won. And then there are other times when you know that you just didn't play your best game. And if you had played your best game, it wouldn't have even been close. You would have won. I remember one game that we played. It was actually my senior year of high school, and it was the national tournament for Christian schools. I went to a Christian school, K through 12, and played on our high school basketball team. We got invited to a national tournament in Dayton, Tennessee. And we had played, uh, we played really well in the opening rounds of the tournament, and, and we were uh, now moving on. And we just needed to win a couple more games, and we would be in the championship. And we really were playing well. I mean, we were kind of firing on all cylinders, and, and we had been playing together for four years as a team. There was good chemistry, and we were kind of hitting our stride right at the end of this season. And, and we just thought, no one's going to beat us. I mean, we're going to win the championship. It's going to be amazing. And then we, we landed against this team in this round of the tournament, and they were just better. They were better than us. It's not that we played a bad game. It's not that we could have played better. It's not that we needed to hustle more or work harder. No, we gave everything we had. We played the best game maybe we'd played all year. And we lost by double digits. They were just better than us. It didn't matter that we had played our best. They were better. But here's the thing. As much as that loss hurt us, I mean, that was painful. It was like the end of our senior year. We were just like, it's over. Life ends here. I mean, when, when you're a senior in high school, you think that the world ends in that moment. But it doesn't. It goes on, and it gets better. But I remember walking off the court thinking to myself, we played our best game. We lost, and it hurts to lose. But we don't have anything to be ashamed of here. We played the very best game that we could possibly play. We gave it everything that we had. We left it all on the court. Now, it hurts to lose, right? Every time it hurts to lose. But it hurts a little bit less when you know you've given your best. It hurts a lot more when you walk off the court or the field and you think to yourself, man, I wish we would have actually tried. I wish we would have shown up for this game. I wish we would have played harder today. If we had, it would have been a different result. But, but when you've given all that you've got, you can walk off the field and say, we gave it our best and we just lost. Still hurts, but not as much. I was thinking about that this week when I was thinking about church. And I was thinking, how many times do we leave church not having left it all in the sanctuary? Not having come to this place to give our very best and highest praise and worship to the one who deserves our entire being. 
How many times do we think to ourselves, I'm too tired, I'm going to scale back on my praise today and and keep a little bit for myself, conserve my energy, because it's been a long, hard week. How many times do we come into church and think to ourselves, you know what, it's been really hard. I've worked so hard this week. I'm just feeling a little down. I'm just going to go through the motions today. How many times do we, do we simply skimp on what we could have given God while we were here, gathered with God's people for the purpose of lifting up his name because the things in our lives are just hard and difficult? How many times have we not left it all on the field in this room when we gather for worship? How many times do we think to ourselves, well, those aren't my songs, so I'm not going to worship like I should because it's not quite doing it for me today. See, the reality is, is that when we gather collectively in this room, We're here to praise God. And it's actually not about us, ever. What we need when we gather in a room like this is to experience the presence of God. That's what makes the difference. And the Bible tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. If you want to to get something out of worship, What you ought to want to get out of it is just to be in the presence of God. And the only way to be in the presence of God is to take all of the attention off of you and put it all on him. And it doesn't matter what the environment's like or if the sound has crackle in the speakers, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's too loud or too hot or too cold or the songs aren't your songs. None of that matters. None of that matters. I know for some of you, you think it matters a lot. Yeah, I'm talking to you. (laughs) It doesn't matter that much. Because what matters is the fact that we are in the presence of the God of the universe and we ought to kneel down before him and say, it's all about you and you are worthy and you deserve all the honor and all the praise and all of the thanks and whatever we're doing in this room to get us there, just Just forget about all of that and put all the attention on him. Praise God with all you've got. Don't hold anything back. Leave it on the field when you gather for worship. What would happen if every person came into this room, every single service, just with an anticipation, a desire, a hunger to just give him praise? And it almost didn't matter what we did in this room because you're just ready to go chomping at the bit to just give him all the glory and all the honor so that when the first note is played or the first word is spoken, you're just ready to go. What would happen to our experiences as a church of his presence if that's where we found ourselves every single Sunday when we walked into this room? I'm telling you right now, it would change everything. It would change everything about our lives. 
If we collectively came into this place just saying, we're gonna praise God with all we've got, we're not gonna hold anything back and we're not gonna leave anything on the field. We're gonna, we are gonna give every bit that we have to the Lord because we wanna be in his presence. Praise God with all you've got. And then this last phrase, why should we do that? Because God changed your life. God changed your life. I love how the psalmist continues the conversation with himself. He reminds himself to not forget all the good things God has done for me. He says, the reason I should praise the Lord with all that is within me, the reason I should give God all the glory, all the honor, all the praise is because he's done some good things for me. And in verses three through five, he actually lists out what those benefits are. He says, he forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. He renews my youth like the eagles. This is what God does for the psalmist. And just like so many psalms, there's a call or a command to praise God. And then the reasons are given why we should do that. Why should we praise God with all we've got? Because God changed your life. He forgave your sins. What the psalmist is saying is that he's looking at the fact that God addresses the core problem of humanity. Human beings, we rebelled against God. We went our own way. God said, this is how I want you to live. And we said, no, thank you. We're gonna go a different direction, God. We'll figure it out on our own. And we rebelled against God and went down a path that God did not mark out for us. That is the path of sin. And God comes into our lives. And even though we've rebelled against him, God says, I'll bring you back. I'll forgive your sin. I'll wipe the slate clean. I'll give you a brand new beginning, put you back on the right path and send you in the direction that I have planned for you. This is what God does. He forgives our sins. Not only does he forgive our sins, but he heals our disease. Now, it's tempting to read this verse and think this is like an invincibility card. Right? It says right here, he heals all our disease. Never going to get sick. Never going to have a bad report from the doctor. Here's the reality. You already know that's not true. I had uh, one friend of mine who says it this way, sometimes the problems of life, the sickness, the disease, the troubles we have with our physical body, he says it's just the price we pay for the space we occupy. It's just part of being human in a fallen world. This is not a verse that says, if, some, if you've got sickness, something's wrong with you, like spiritually. It's not what this verse means. What I think the psalmist is saying here is that when we rebelled against God, it, it disrupts so many things in our lives. And it actually makes us unhealthy people. We don't need God just to solve a spiritual issue in our lives. We actually need God to put our lives back together again. 
When we rebelled against God, it put dis-ease in our lives. It put this sense of brokenness in our minds and in our spirits and even in our physical bodies. And God doesn't just come to say, I'm going to forgive the sin in your heart. God says, I want to actually put your life back together again. I want to take what's broken and I want to fix it. And if you've walked with the Lord any amount of time, you know that he didn't just forgive your sin. He actually helped restore you. And he's rebuilding you and he's making you into the person he wants you to be. That's what the psalmist is saying. God forgives my sins and he puts my life back together again. And if, if we continue down the road of sin and disease in our lives, what we would find is that that road leads to death every time. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter six. He says, the wages of sin is death. And God doesn't just forgive your sins and put your life back together, but he keeps you from going down the path that leads to death. In fact, one translation says that he, he crowns us with life. This is what God does for us. He forgives our sin. He heals our disease. He, he actually redeems us from the pit of death. But it's not just about what God takes away from our lives. It's about what God puts into it. God takes this life that's been forgiven, that's been healed, that's been rescued from death, and he begins to pour out love and mercy and goodness and blessing. And he begins to fill us with life life that is constantly being renewed. And this life lasts forever. It never goes away. This is the work of God. And when we read this psalm, what we recognize is that we ought to praise God with all we've got because of the amazing work that God does in our lives. When I think about summarizing the work of God from these verses in a single phrase, I would say it this way. The work of God is the complete transformation and continual renewal of our lives. If you want to be made completely different, if you want to become the person you were originally intended to be, just let the work of God happen in your life. Receive it. Let him do something in you. And when he does his work in you, you will be completely changed, reborn, made into a whole new person. And he will continually renew you day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, continuing to make you into the image of Jesus Christ. This is the amazing work of God. And it's why we ought to praise him. But here's the thing. Earlier in my life, I never would have said the work of God was amazing. In fact, there was a time in my life where I thought the work of God was anything but amazing. I went to a, a church of about 125 people when I was growing up. And, and, um, and I was there all the time. I mean, people say, you know, we went to church every time the doors were open. My parents, my grandparents were the janitors. We went to church even when the doors weren't open. <laughs> and so I was at church a lot. I went to a Christian school, kindergarten through 12th grade. I was around the Christian faith all of my growing up years. And here's the reality. In the, in the kind of early years of my life, into those early teen years, the only way I could describe the Christian faith is that it was a religion designed to suck all the joy out of life. 
I mean, that's what it seemed like to me. And the reason it seemed that way to me is, and, and I really am not trying to speak bad of those 125 people, but they were just mean. They were sour. They were grumpy. And yet they would stand up in church. I would hear them. They would testify about how God had done this amazing work in their life. And then in the hallway, they just looked like they were mad at the world. This is a really important point. It's not really part of today's message, but, but you have to understand something. As a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus in this room today, you will likely be the first reading of the gospel for many people in our world. And the way that you carry yourself matters. If you carry yourself in a way that you look sour all the time and you're always frowning and you're always kind of mad at the world, that's going to be the reading of the gospel that people outside the church will have. And if you're a negative, judgmental, critical person, they're going to assume that that's what the gospel says. Because you're someone who supposedly has experienced the gospel. So I just want to encourage you and just gently challenge you today. Be careful how you carry yourself in the world because people are looking at your life and they're actually reading the gospel in the way you live. Those people in the church that I grew up in, I thought the gospel was intended to make you grumpy because they were perfect examples of that. And so I just thought to myself, who would ever want to be a Christian? Why would you want a faith that just sucked all the joy out of life? So here's what I did as a kid. I wasn't dumb. I, I played the game. When I went to church, I just pretended to be a Christian. I just played the part. I said the right things. I, I did the right things. And, and then the rest of the week, I just did whatever I wanted to do because I was on a search, a search to find the, the places in life and the experiences in life that would make it joy-filled and happy and would bring contentment and fulfillment that would, would kind of make me the person I wanted to be. I figured I could play the church game for a few hours a week, and then the rest of the, of the week, I could kind of find what I was looking for. And I tried that in my early teen years. I tried to find a life that would bring contentment and joy and happiness and fulfillment. I was looking for the life that I wanted, and I was fortunate. I was fortunate that early in my teen years, I discovered that no matter what I tried and what experiences I had, they would not ever fill me up. And God was so gracious. And I say gracious because I know people who in their lives have spent not just a few years, but decades upon decades trying to find the life they're looking for in all of the wrong places. And I tried that early in my teen years and God was so gracious to just speak loud and clear and call me back to himself and help me know that I could find the life I was looking for only in him. And there are too many circumstances to talk about in today's service as to how God led me there, but God made it really clear to me that you're looking for something that you'll never find and if you'll just turn to me, I'll give you the life you are longing for. And so I had to turn to God and trust that he would not make me grumpy. And if you catch me on a bad day, you might think, 
Well, it didn't work. You're still grumpy. But I turned to God and I found more than I was looking for. Because that's who God is. Following God is not something you should do because you have to or you ought to. I'm just inviting you to follow God because it's the best way to live. You will find more than you ever thought possible if you'll just give your life fully to him. Now, some of you here this morning, you, you may not be buying what I'm selling right now. And, and if you don't, that's fine. You, you can keep looking for it at the bottom of that bottle. You can keep popping those pills. You can keep inviting as many people as you want into your bed. You can run down that path as far and as long as you want to go. You can decide that it's in more money or a better position or a higher paying job. You could find that if you could get more stuff, then maybe you'll have what you're looking for. I'm telling you, you can run down that road as long and as far and as hard as you want to go. But I'm telling you right now, I promise you this. If you are looking for more peace, more contentment, more fulfillment, more joy, purpose, meaning for your life, I'm telling you right now, all of those roads will never take you to the destination you are longing for. Only God will do that. And the psalmist reminds us of this in this psalm. He says, this God forgives our sin. He brings us back to the right path. He puts our lives back together again so that we're whole people. And then he begins to fill us with love and mercy and grace and strength and peace and joy and contentment. He begins to give us the life we've always wanted and even more than we ever dreamed possible. This is the amazing work of God. And when you know that amazing work of God, the only response you have is to praise God with all you've got. Because the only way you could experience the life he has for you is because of his grace and his mercy. Whenever I study a passage of scripture, I always kind of come to the end of the study and I just ask myself one simple question. I actually think it's the most important question of Bible study. And the question is basically this, what do I do now with what this passage has taught me? In other words, how do I take this truth of God's word and apply it to my life so that my life actually begins to change? I want to do that this morning as we wrap up this time in God's word. I want to just simply ask that question. What do we do now with what Psalm 103 verses 1 through 5 teaches us? And, and the reality is, is I think there are two applications. The first one is this, that you would remember or receive God's work. Many of you in this room are already people who know God's work. You've already experienced it firsthand. You've decided to follow Jesus and God's grace has forgiven your sins. He's put your life back together. He's filled you with love and mercy. He is renewing you day by day, week by week, and you're experiencing his work. I'm just asking you to remember that work this week. Just spend some time thinking about what your life was like before you met God. 
Think about the path you were on, the trajectory you were going down, and then think about all of the circumstances that led you to a moment of coming to faith in Jesus Christ and having your life completely changed. And then just spend just a few minutes, if you can limit it to that, thinking about all the blessings that God has poured out in your life since that moment of decision. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, there's no doubt about it, God has changed your life and he is continuing to change your life and you've got a lot to be thankful for. Some of you in this room, though, you've never received Jesus. Maybe you're kind of thinking through this Christian idea and you're trying to figure out, is this for me? Is this what I want to give my life to? And what I would say to you this morning is this. I would just say to you that there's no better decision that you could make. Whatever you're looking for, I promise you, you will find what you need in God and you will find more than you ever thought possible in him. So I'm just inviting you to receive his work today. The second thing that I would say is an application from Psalm 103 is that as we remember the work of God in our lives or receive that maybe for the first time, that we would allow it to ignite or reignite our praise. Some of you have been walking with God for a long time. And I fear that for those of us who have walked with God for a long time, he's become too familiar. Just a normal part of life. Just a part of life that we just assume is always there. And what's happened over time is God has become too familiar to us. Our praise has just been diminished. We've forgotten just how amazing his grace is. And it's just become kind of normal. There's nothing normal about it. You were lost. And you had no hope. None. There is nothing that you could have done to change your life. Not one single thing. And the God of the universe looked down at your life while you were lost in your sin and he loved you. And he gave his only son to redeem your life from death. And there's nothing normal about that. And there is no reason for our praise to be diminished. It doesn't matter how long we've been walking with him. In fact, I think the longer we walk with him, the fuller our praise gets. I'm asking you today to let the Holy Spirit, if your praise has died down, I'm asking you to let the Holy Spirit reignite it today. And if you're one of those people who in just a moment is going to receive God's work for the first time, I'm going to ask you to let the praise of God be ignited in your life that you would receive his work and then just turn that to praise because of who God is and what God has done for you. So this morning as we close this time together, I wanna just invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I wanna 
Speak to two groups of people. First, the group of people who your praise has died down and it needs to be reignited. You need someone to blow on the embers of that fire and let it burn bright again inside of you. And if you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, I think that's me. I think my praise has died down. It's diminished. It's, it's almost feels like it's going out. And I want it to burn bright again inside of me. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? Because I want to say a prayer for you. Yeah. See hands going up. Anybody else? Just put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. God, there are people all across this room right now who have raised their hands to say, I want my praise to be reignited. So Holy Spirit, would you just breathe your breath on the embers of praise in these souls and would you fan it into flame again? I pray, God, that their hearts, their souls, their minds, everything that is within them would just be devoted to praising you, honoring you, worshiping you, because you are worthy. With heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking around, I want to speak to the second group now. And if you had your hand up, you can put your hand down. But if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and today you want to make that decision, I'm telling you right now, it's the best decision you will ever make in your life. So if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, today's my day. I'm going to make a decision to follow Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is a private moment between you and the Lord. I just want you to raise your hand to acknowledge today I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I want to receive the good work of God in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand up high. See that hand? Anybody else? Anybody else? If you raised your hand or you're ready to make that commitment, I want you just to pray a prayer like this. You can say these words quietly or say them out loud if you feel comfortable doing so, but I want you just to pray this prayer. God, I receive your good work right now. Thank you for providing a way for my sins to be forgiven. Thank you for making it possible for my life to be put back together the way you want it to be. And God, thank you for redeeming me from death and filling my life with the good things that you've planned for me. Thank you for making all of this possible through Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. I receive him right now as my Lord and my Savior, and I commit to give the rest of my life to walking with him. And for those who just prayed that prayer, God's work of grace is beginning right now in your life. He's forgiving your sins. He's changing your life. And he's beginning a work of renewal and transformation that will never end. 
So God, I pray for these who have prayed that prayer this morning. Would you meet them right there in that place? Give them an awareness, an assurance that they are your child and you are their God and walk with them every moment from this moment forward, I pray. And God, for all of us, as we remember your work, would you help us be people of praise? And may we encounter more and more of your presence as we do that. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give God praise this morning for all of his work?